electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The Fang fallout as Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft all report blowout earnings. Facebook now waiting on deck after the bell. We're going to debate where the stocks are likely to go from here with our investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Courtney Gibson is back. Joe Terranova's here, Jim Leventhal, Pete Nigerian. It's good to see everybody. Big day. Let's check stocks. A decent gain now developing for the NASDAQ, which was negative, or at least uh, for a little while. Then it picked up steam, falling back just a bit. Still a gain of 87 points. S&P's in the green. The Dow's a modest loser right now. Pete, you get the first crack at this, okay? Blowout earnings across the board. What's up with the stocks? Well, you know, there was that run into the into the number that we all talked about the other day. I actually thought it was a sustainable move to the upside, but we did get a bit of a pullback. And then we started to see a bit of a bounce, whether it's Apple or Microsoft or go through the list, except for Google. Google's been absolutely extraordinary since those numbers came out. But, you know, I think that's part of it, Scott. The CDC, that that's something as well in terms of, hey, they're talking about masks. What are they going to talk about next? I mean, I, I think that's something that is behind us. But it is something that we always have to be conscious of in terms of how do we view the future going forward based upon what's going on either with the variants or even with the COVID-19 and all the rest of that, vaccinations. All of those things, I think, come into play when we're talking about some of these earnings plays. So um, I love the numbers that we were seeing. I think everybody was blowout. The fact that Apple was a record number for Q3, I think, really stood out for me. Well, I mean, enough so that you bought more Apple calls today, Pete. So, I mean, you're undeterred by the fact that... You know, the, the, the stock sold off. If, if you look at the numbers of which Apple uh, and the others really across the board, I mean, the revenue beats, Pete, yeah. were nothing short of extraordinary, okay? Up 36% year yeah, over right. year for Apple, 62% for Alphabet, Microsoft 21% year on year. You obviously don't care about what's happening in the market today or the way that the street is reading this because you bought more calls today in Apple. Well, I I do care, of course, but I think the reality is they sold off Apple and they've got the kind of growth, Scott. This is something that Patty, the producer, and I were talking about before the show. The growth that we are seeing now, this isn't the kind of growth that you normally see in these very mature companies. And I mean very mature companies now. Yes, they're big cap tech. They're the leadership. We all know that. And you're still growing revenue at 30 some odd percent, 36 percent for Apple. I mean, that's extraordinary. How about the fact that their margins are strong? Where are their margins strong? Well, you look at services, you look at wearables, you look at all the different categories where they continue to have growth. I think that there's a lot of reasons to look at these and say, you know what? The multiple might feel a little bit stretched, but look at the growth. Look at the growth across all the various categories, and you look at the gross margins. I think it makes you start to say, you know what? When they sold it off, I think they sold it off more than they needed to. As a matter of fact, I expected to see the stock go higher. It didn't. So that's why I bought those calls. Yeah. So, Court, I guess, I don't know. The numbers are going to be hard to top, okay? I mean, if if you want to knock it, 
knock that. Is it as good as it gets for the moment for those kind of revenue numbers? The stock had started to work again lately, so it did run up into the print. What do you make of the way that the stock is selling off today? Does it mean anything big picture? Absolutely not. I think that what you're seeing here is maybe a little bit of trimming by folks that needed to take a little bit off the table. But ultimately, Apple is a name that you definitely want to be in for the long haul. At Loop Capital Markets, we actually raised our price target, as we should have. I think part of the sell-off as well was a little bit of tempering by the CFO, right? I mean, they're trying to manage expectations without giving formal guidance, right? And so when whenever you think about that big G word, guidance, that actually takes precedent over oftentimes what actually was reported for the quarter. And so they pretty much said, don't expect what you saw. Um, although I, I, I think that they're maybe sandbagging a little bit. Um, I, I do believe that when we think about that September quarter, we're going to see a tremendous amount of growth. I mean, you talk about the super cycle with the 13 coming out. You talk about 5G. You just talk about wearables. You talk about, um, I mean, we could keep going down the list. Apple has put so many irons in the fire to help move that company forward. As Pete was just talking about, I mean, ultimately, when you look at a company with where it is in its current cycle, um, Apple is still continuing to innovate. And I mean, I think that's what you're seeing with Google. It's what you're seeing with Microsoft and Azure. You're seeing companies that should be very, very mature and potentially sitting back on their laurels, not doing it. They're continuing to think about how they remain relevant, how they continue to grow and how they continue to add value to shareholders. All right. So Pharma Jim, we've seen this movie before, right? Last quarter, company blows it out, stock sells off, gets down to about 125. You start buying it on the way back up. It gets to a new record near 150 uh, or right there. I mean, is this replaying itself all over again? Is the move right now to wait for a a bit more selling uh, by those who, as Jim Cramer would probably suggest, are ill-advised and then jump in when the stock goes lower? Or is it going to stabilize here? People are going to read through these results and say, you know what? Pretty darn good. You're heading into a strong quarter at the end of the year. The strong couple of quarters coming up. So buy the stock now. Yeah, so I kind of feel like I'm living in an alternate universe today when we're defending Apple after those numbers. And I get it. I get it. You know, the coming quarter, there was a little bit of verbiage about slowing things down. I'm looking at street reports today where estimates for next year are going up. And I'm seeing the multiple for next year at 25 times. Remember, this is fiscal year that ends September 30th, so it's right around I the got, corner. Yeah, and I'm saying to myself, I got, a, I got a forward PE of 28 times. But I mean, you know, that's I don't that's, 25, that's yeah, but that's what I'm saying here, Scott, is that's that's not taking into account the street times. reports today. You can look. You can look at J.P. Morgan. Uh, they've got a multiple forward multiple after yesterday's earnings of 25. And I'll tell you, I think that's where people are going to go here. One quarter, and particularly not a quarter that matters. This isn't the holiday season, which is the fourth quarter. Um, I, I, I th- again, I feel like I'm living in an alternate universe. Uh, but to answer your question, <laughs> what I think happens here, I think for the next month or two, the, the shares may be range-bound in this 140 to 150 zone. But I think you're going to see as you get towards the holiday season, Season, the 5G lineup. I think you have to focus in on the average selling price for 5G models. You're going to
going to see a spike in the average selling price with these new models. That's going to propel revenue and earnings higher, buying back the shares, et cetera, et cetera. I think at the end of the year, you're going to see the shares at 175. I'm sticking with that call. I don't think you go back to 125. Um, I think this is the ultimate short-sightedness if people are worried about Apple 3% from the high it set a week ago. Joe, do, um, do earnings continue to, to support 28 times forward? Uh, is there multiple expansion? I mean, where, where does the stock go from here and why? Revenue growth. I mean, sometimes the market gets it right, Scott. The rotation into these mega cap technology names over the last six weeks was confirmed. Last, last evening was nothing short of spectacular in terms of not only mega cap technology, but a lot of other names that we're going to talk about in this show. So you hit on the revenue growth. You hit on the fact that Alphabet's revenue growth was above 60%. Think about that quarter. Microsoft's revenue growth, we were talking about maybe double digits above 20%. So it is about continued revenue growth. And I think what's interesting about this was we really believed in Q3 and Q4 of 2020 that growth was going to begin to decelerate for mega cap technology as you moved out of the pandemic. That's just not the case. It's, it's actually uh, accelerating even further. And there's been this paradigm shift because of the pandemic that the adoption and the usage of these mega cap technology names is increasing even more. So, so I share the positive sentiments of everyone so far. And I think it'll continue with Facebook tonight. I give you one more uh, stat, which is just astounding when talking about all three of these companies. Apple, Google, Microsoft see combined after-tax profits of $57 billion in Q2, nearly double the year earlier period and 30 percent above expectations. But, Joe, I mean, are you suggesting that any dip in any of these stocks is an opportunity to buy? Is that what you're saying? Tell me when it wasn't. Absolutely. Of course it is. <laughs> These are companies where you're going to achieve the type of revenue growth that you're not going to be able to witness anywhere else in the S&P 500. Their revenue growth exceeds over 70% of the entire S&P 500. 70% of the S&P 500, you can't find this type of revenue growth. So yes, without question. Any dip but what, is an opportunity in these names. But what, what happens, Pete, if the, if, the, if the revenue growth can't continue at this current pace? I mean, that's no knock. Look, look at the numbers, right? So if you knock right. the cover off the ball yeah. this quarter, uh, but you hit, like, for the cycle the, the next, you know, you don't have a you know, few grand slams loaded in there, too. Is, is that a problem? So what? But, Scott, then, you, then you're you do talking have a problem, about, Scott, so just to think. Oh. Hold on, Court. Hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pete, then Court. Okay, so I, uh, what I think, Scott, is exactly what you're saying, but, but are, we, are we projecting that? Is that something that we see coming forward? When you listen to somebody like Katie Huberty over at Morgan Stanley and her piece long before the, the, the Apple earnings, she talked about 5G and the growth that they've got there and obviously the margin growth that they've got as well. So there is something going forward where we can see this cycle continuing. Now, when it slows down, to your point, yeah, then that's going to be an issue because we look at the multiples a lot more closely if we start to see any kind of a slowdown. We haven't well, seen that. It can't We've go seen up this at this, incredible well, wait, 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 wait. Pete, it can't go up at this pace forever. What? I mean, you're, you're not going to do you, – you cannot do these, these revenue growth numbers forever. I mean, but my point is, so what? Not forever. I mean, do you, do you have to be stratospheric <laughs> forever? 
I mean, are you kidding me? 62% year-on-year revenue growth for Alphabet. So if it's 57, we're, we're going to suggest that the stock is all of a sudden overvalued? Are we going to do that? When, when they start slowing down, Scott, that's when people do start to get a little bit nervous and they start to wonder, am I holding this too long? I'm not saying that everybody's going to run for the, for the shore, but I think the reality is that when we start to see those slowdowns, we've seen it in the past when we've had great numbers from specific companies, and then we start to see that slowdown, then people start to jump off the ship. But we, we don't project that right now. We continue to see what would be another couple of quarters at least going into the future. And so while we've got that, yes, these stocks are going to continue, I think, to move in that same direction to the upside. And I think somebody was talking about 175 for Apple. I don't disagree. I could see that very clearly. But I think the reality is you've got to continue on that growth path because of the fact that we are a little bit more stretched when you look at these PEs. Courtney? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I absolutely concur with Pete. But to go back to your point, Scott, on do you have to see 36% year-on-year growth, 70% growth? The answer is no. But let me let me give you a base case, right? 15 to 20% growth over the next decade. Let's assume the S&P is not going to do that. You are actually looking at when you combine Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, when you combine all of them together, you're looking at three quarters of the index, three quarters of it. Where else do you want or need to be? And like I said, I tempered that down to 15 to 20 percent growth. So, you know, we can talk about, you know, the the numbers not being sustainable, and that is okay. But when you talk about risk-adjusted returns in these names and where they are, these are winners for the long haul. I've tried to get out of Facebook. You know it's my largest holding. I've I've sat Mm -hmm. there and I said, oh, I'm going to get out at this number, this number. Will not do it. Cannot do it. It'd be silly to do it, (laughs) given where their growth potential is and will continue to be we got we'll get to them in just a second but farmer jim uh, i almost need to apologize we're getting to uh, alphabet second and they deserved in many ways to be first uh, absolutely blowout total revenues up 62 yeah. percent year on year stock hits a new record high today uh, you own it now it had lagged right the other fangs for a while and now, though, it's a bit of a different story, right? I mean, it's had a, a pretty darn good run. Um, year to date, shares of Google are up 56.5%, Pharma Jim. Yeah, so, Judge, I'm going to speak to our viewers because I know that's what you want me to do. Speak to the jury, if you will. If you don't no, Jim, speak own to the Google, bookshelf. You're supposed to- speak to the bookshelf. I mean, <laughs> this is a halftime report, Jim. We do try and address our viewers. So thank you. Thank you for the disclaimer. Okay. But All right. Please, the floor is yours. The floor is yours. I'm, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Okay. Uh, listen, if you don't own Google, you got to go out and buy it. If you do own Google, what you have to do is measure yourself versus the S&P 500 weighting, which is around 5%. Today is the day to bring yourself up there. But if you're already at the weight, this is not a time to add to it because here's the facts. 91% of S&P 500 companies have corrected this year. In that 9% is Google. And yes, these numbers are fabulous. But that 56% price rise that you mentioned combined with the fact that just about everything else in the world has corrected, leads me to say this is not the time to overload Google, but you do have to be in it. Joe, what about Microsoft? Um, You're the one who yesterday had mentioned, eh, you know, maybe we got to worry about a a slowdown with Azure, maybe some other parts of their business. What what do we take away from the quarter and the way that the stock is, is reacting now? 
by the way, another big winner into the print, too. And you have to take all of that into consideration. I mentioned the revenue jump number as well. So I, I suppose some are, are trying to suggest maybe this is as good as it gets for a while for, for another big name stock. What's your takeaway? Well, I thought the, the bar was very high for Microsoft coming into uh, yesterday afternoon's earnings. I think in particular because you've seen a lot of reposition out of technology names, given what's going on with the Chinese right now. You've seen repositioning out of a lot of the meme stocks into the mega cap technology names. And Microsoft has been uh, clearly, I think, the one winner in that environment. But I have to tell you, the confidence from Satya Nadella and the management team and that guidance was remarkable. And that's absolutely, as we could see, why the stock reversed and turned around. So I would call it a positive surprise. It's a name that I've held for a long time. I'm going to continue to do so. Just real quick as a follow-up with Jimmy, I disagree. I think you add to Google here because I think Google absolutely Even is if in you're a catch-up already at market phase weight, the rest Joe? of is in a catch-up phase relative to the other mega-cap technology names. And guess what? Here comes the cloud. And that is something that is underappreciated and is going to be a significant revenue accelerator over the coming quarters. I need to get, I need to get Sundar Pichai on, on Pete's wall of fame, right? I mean, there's got to be room. Absolutely. Next to Sachin Nadella and, and Brian Cornell. Yeah. He never talks about Sundar Pichai. I mean, 100%. I don't think he owns the stock. Maybe that's one of the reasons why. Maybe it's time for Pete to right, buy Alpha. Right, How about right. that, Pete? How about that? <laughs> I, I probably should, and I'm kicking myself. Obviously, you guys, you talked about the results that you're getting there, and the numbers are extraordinary. And they are making some progress finally in the cloud, which has been something that they haven't really been able to dent when you look at where Microsoft is and where Amazon is. And then you look back at Google, they're still way behind there. But that doesn't mean that there's not the possibility they start to get more and more market share because that's a possibility. When you look at Microsoft, though, and you look at Satya Nadella, and we talked about this the day he was hired. The day he was hired, we said, this is the right guy. And what do we talk about every single quarter? The first thing we look at, Internet Cloud. We look at Azure. Azure is still now growing at 51%. I mean, that's pretty extraordinary. Then you look at some of the acquisitions. How about LinkedIn? That was a 46% higher, a billion-dollar company within the company of Microsoft. And then you look at Xbox, 172% growth. We're talking about incredible numbers, and this is a very mature company. We all know it very well. Everybody knows this company. But it wasn't that many years ago when Satya took over, when this was a stock that was trading in the 30s and 40s and underneath $50 a share and take a look at it now and there's still growth there because they're grabbing market share so i really like the direction that they're taking he's the right leader they're taking all the right steps and it's not just about azure it's about the entire company moving forward gaming included you see you see what i'm talking about though i try and steer the conversation to give some love to sundar pachai for the job he's doing and somehow all roads lead back to Sachin nadella no, I mean, Pete can't help himself. <laughs> he cannot help himself. Not, he ends with a thing of Microsoft, a soliloquy about what's happening there. And, of course, it goes back to Satya. I, I feel you, Pete. I, I, I get where you're coming from. Let's bring in Steve Weiss now. You may recall yesterday he said he bought some short-dated puts on Apple uh, and Microsoft heading into the quarter, uh, heading into the print, I should say, uh, expiring by the end of the week. Uh, so, Weiss, where are you on those today? We wanted to hear from you quickly. Sure. Um, first of all, I'm in the uncomfortable position defending Jim. Look, like the Chicago Cubs, he had a winner today, so doesn't know how to act. So take it easy on him. He'll be okay. Look, in terms of both of those, 
I had a bigger position in Apple puts because they've had a more checkered history in terms of reporting, and it is a seasonally the weak quarter, plus the stock had run up nearly 15%. Microsoft, it was more that expectation was very high, but Satch and Dell has done extraordinarily well. I don't remember the last time they missed. I covered both positions this morning. First thing, uh, Apple turned out to be a winner. It was up 115% the puts, albeit helped by yesterday's massive sell-off. And Microsoft, I lost about 50%. Given Apple was a bigger position, I made some money overall in the trade, some nice money. This was a hedge. I haven't touched my core positions. This was purely risk management and trying then to generate some alpha. Very, very cheap puts that were expiring Friday. Time value would have taken them to zero. So I'm glad I did what I did, and it worked out pretty nicely. Okay, you sit tight uh, for a little bit. I'm going to come back to you a little bit later on once we discuss what's happening with Boeing shares today uh, because we have some uh, discussing to do with you and and Pharma Jim on that. But, Courtney, so given what we've discussed with big tech thus far and what Alphabet delivered and what we already heard from Snap and Twitter regarding the comeback of the digital advertising market, anything less than massive expectations going into this number, they're not going to disappoint, are they? You're referring to Facebook coming into Facebook, tonight? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, Scott? my bad. Facebook. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, what we got out of Alphabet and just the tremendous speed on the ad revenue, I'm incredibly excited and a proud shareholder of Facebook going into this. I think one thing that we're all going to be listening for, which, you know, caused a bit of a sell off early, was just around that whole privacy and data issue that everyone was concerned about, where when you go on, it says, hey, would you would you be willing to allow Facebook to, to track what you're doing? I think the overwhelming answer was yes. When you have Facebook telling hey, its court? users, Instagram hey, telling, yep. Court, forgive me. Do me a favor. Um, I apologize for uh, interrupting you. I do want to go to Eamon Javers, though, momentarily, and I'll come back to you. He has breaking news. I, I think we have some in- infrastructure news. Eamon, is that right? Scott, that's right. Some progress up on Capitol Hill. Senator Rob Portman saying now that Republicans and Democrats do have an agreement to move forward on this massive infrastructure bill that they've been discussing in a bipartisan way. Republicans and Democrats together. Uh, They could begin the process of voting on this as soon as tonight. We don't have the details of exactly how many hundreds of billions of dollars are in this final agreement. But Rob Portman suggesting uh, that they worked out some of the harder uh, issues, including uh, some stuff on transit funding and a dispute over how much was going to go to urban areas versus rural areas and the like. These are all the kinds of last minute things that can be a snag on a big bill like this. The Biden administration has been looking forward to getting this done uh, on a bipartisan fashion so that they can then move forward later with a much bigger three plus trillion dollar spending package that they would do as Democrats alone, presumably. So this one would have Republican votes uh, if the Republicans have agreed to it. They're going to need to find 10 though, in order to pass it. Ten Republicans who, are, who will sign on to this deal. So far, the deal uh, is being rolled out this afternoon, and we might see some votes uh, and learn what's in it uh, by later on this evening. Scott, back over to you. Yeah, all right. We'll look forward to that, Eamon. Appreciate the update from you, Eamon Javers, joining us from Washington, D.C. Courtney, you were saying on Facebook... 
Well, you know, you, you talk about getting a deal done and, and bipartisan. That's kind of what I was talking about with Facebook and its users, right? So you have a choice. You say, okay, no, I don't want Facebook tracking what I'm doing. And no, I'm not going to allow you to do that. And guess what? Facebook tells you and Instagram tells you, okay, you no longer get our services for free. So you negotiate and you say, you know what? This might not be so bad because I really like spending three hours a day on Instagram. So you allow them to track what you're doing and you get targeted ads and everyone wins, right? Right? And I think that's what we're going to see and hear from Facebook this afternoon is that their user base is incredibly loyal and that they do believe that there is value in Facebook's algorithms in getting them these wonderfully targeted ads and for us to spend all of our money while we're surfing Instagram and Facebook. All right. So we're going to see what happens uh, not too far from now, uh, four hours or so, three and a half before we get those numbers from Facebook. And uh, we'll see that on the closing bell. We kicked that around a little bit. Uh, let's talk AMD real quick, if, if we could, because I'm seeing the Jim Cramer thinks that stock's going to 100. Uh, Joe, you own it. They continue to take share uh, from the competitors. Lisa Sue was on with uh, Jim and the gang this morning. Strong demand environment she's talking about. Pete bought AMD calls twice this morning, so even he knows where the action is because that's somebody who owns Intel shares and has defended that company numerous times on this program, but he's still buying some AMD calls. But Joe, you own it. You go first. I do. And I spoke about it with great excitement yesterday because I believe that this would be the quarter where AMD would be able to reverse the underperformance relative to the rest of the semi industry. And Scott, that's exactly what happened. Jim's right. $100 will happen. I'll see his 100 and raise him to 105 because I think you're going to get there. But it was all about the demand and the recovery that we're seeing in server uh, computer processing units. They are clearly taking revenue share in that. It's been five consecutive quarters from Intel. And this is a company that continues to see an acceleration in margins. You're going to have margins now exceeding 50%. So this is it. This is the moment. The underperformance is going to be reversed. I see much higher prices for AMD, and I'm happily long. Pete, give me quick. You bought AMD calls this morning twice, you said. Yeah, we had yeah we had some very unusual option activity because after earnings, Scott, and this is really rare, after earnings, we had some gigantic buying right at the money. Stock actually was not performing very well at the start of the day. It actually was trading much significantly lower than it is right now. But as soon as they bought those calls, the stock just shot to the upside and started moving. So it was, uh, it was lucky um, we, that we have the systems that we have to be able to see that and see a lot of folks putting money into it, like Joe, who was uh, a big fan of AMD. My concern is this. Can they break through 100? I know that both Jim and Joe are talking about, yeah, they're going to go through 100 and in and beyond. But this is a company that has not been able to do that. And it's, been, it's right at the, at the top end of where it's been year to date. So it's going to have to make that move or get ready for another pullback towards the 80s. Uh, that's why I'm in the options, not the stock right now. I hear you. All right, let's talk Boeing real quick before we take our first break of the program. Shares are up after the surprise profit. Jim Labenthal. Uh, you told Steve Weiss not to get out of this name. You should have listened. Yeah. <laughs> we can bring yeah, in I Weiss, too. Steve, He's still there, I think, I think unless he, he left. He knew it was coming. 
Yeah, he should he should leave. And, you know, knowing the way he travels, it's clearly not by airplane. He must travel by steam locomotive and, and sail-driven ocean liner because it's easy to see what's going on in aerospace. It's a huge recovery. There's demand for new planes. Look, the report, I actually expected nothing from the report, and I got a Christmas gift. Look at free cash flow. Negative $700 million. Expectations were over negative uh, $2 billion. That means we're clearly in the right direction. You've got this tug-of-war between Bad news like the 787 production snafu and good news like this report. Well, guess what? Bad news is going to go away. That 787 production issue is going to get solved probably in a matter of two to three weeks. Once Mm -hmm. that's gone, you've got a recovery that's going to occur over the next couple of years. The free cash flow means that the balance sheet is going to get cleaned up much quicker than anyone expects. As for Steve Weiss... As far as I'm concerned, he's on a no-fly list with Boeing. He can Let's, go. He can go play with Spirit Airlines or, or Aerospace or uh, Raytheon. Weiss, you got 30 seconds and not a second more. Yep, go yep. ahead. Yeah, I, I just want Jim to teach me how his admittedly flawed analysis leads to making money consistently. The answer is it won't. And you listen to what Calhoun said. He said he's the one who who drove the inspection. That's just a load of crap. The guy has less credibility each time he speaks. I'm happy to be in the sidelines. There are plenty of other ways to make money in this market instead of a debt-laden company like Boeing, admittedly a duopoly. It'll go up, but too much of a distraction for me. I'm happy to move on. Jim, act like you've been there before, my friend. (laughs) All right. Weiss, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on. Jim gets the last laugh. The much-anticipated Robinhood IPO at prices tonight begins trading tomorrow. We're following the money with Leslie Picker. She'll tell you what to expect next. A reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Good day, everyone. I'm Tyler Matheson, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. The Department of Homeland Security is requiring all its workers to wear masks indoors regardless of vaccination status. The order goes into effect immediately and applies to more than 240,000 employees nationwide. New York state government workers will have to get vaccinated or face strict testing measures. Governor Andrew Cuomo says he's working with union officials to make it happen by Labor Day. And all New York healthcare workers who work with patients must get their shots too, but no testing option is being offered to them. Get, get the jab or leave, I guess. 
New York City resorting to cold, hard cash to get residents vaccinated. This just days after mandating municipal workers must get shots or submit to weekly testing. When you get your first dose, you will get a $100 incentive. $100 for any New Yorker who goes to a city-run site to get vaccinated. We'll say thank you. We'll say we're really glad that you got vaccinated for yourself, for your family, for your community. And here's $100. Get a shot, get 100. And uh, on the news, paying some people to get their shots and ordering it for others. Plus the return of the mask mandates to fight off the Delta variant. That's tonight on the news at 7 Eastern. Scott, back to you. All right, Tyler, appreciate it very much. Thank you. Duolingo opened for trading moments ago. The shares pricing above the expected range and are, as you see right there, surging 39% in the debut, north of $140. It brings us to another highly anticipated IPO. Robinhood at prices tonight begins trading tomorrow. Leslie Picker always following the money for us as she is here once again. What can we expect? <laughs> Leslie Picker. Hey, Scott, we took a look at some of the biggest deals of 2021, and it's clear that bigger isn't always better here, at least when it comes to these deals this year. Now, tomorrow, we'll find out if Robinhood, which is expected to raise $2.2 billion at the midpoint of its marketed range, faces a similar fate. Here's the performance since the debuts of the six IPOs that raised more than $2 billion through IPOs in the U.S. this year. Now, Didi has performed the worst, thanks largely to that idiosyncratic risk from a Chinese regulatory pro. But Coupang, Bumble, Shows, Shoals, Platika, all down double-digit percentages as well. Now, the Renaissance IPO ETF of recent deals all sizes down more than 5% this year and lower by 19% from its February highs, although you can see up about 3.5% today, getting a nice boost there. Now, to investors in these deals, potentially others, it may signal that the market is having a harder time digesting bigger deals. It may deter them from buying more IPOs if they're underwater in prior ones. Plus, there's been an enormous supply glut this year thanks to so much equity issuance, the biggest in 16 years. Many of those years actually showed the market shrinking. We'll see if Robinhood can break the 2021 curse that has befallen the multi-billion dollar deals this year, Scott. What are we to make of this report, Leslie, which I'm sure you saw as well, that the CEO, Vlad Tenev, is not... Um, licensed by FINRA. Investors are, are just learning this. Does it matter? Is it a big deal or not? I mean, I think the only thing that would really be material to the stock is if it meant he weren't going to be CEO. It's unclear that that would really happen. The fact that FINRA is looking into his licensing, theoretically, what they could do is say, after this investigation, you know, we believe you should be licensed based on your day-to-day role at this company. It really depends on really how involved he is in providing uh, investment advice and his role within the company. Uh, there are certain CEOs of brokerage firms that don't have FINRA licenses. Others do. It really just depends on what that CEO does on a day-to-day basis. But theoretically, FINRA could say, we do believe you should be licensed, and then he would get licensed. I don't see this as being something that would actually cause him to lose his job. I got you. All right, Les, thank you. That's Leslie Picker with the latest on the expected Robinhood IPO. Pricing tonight, trading tomorrow. Pete Najarian, usually look for some action in these things. What about this one? Yeah, it's very interesting, Scott. But, you know, the the track record, as Leslie points out, is pretty interesting as well. The fact that this is a massive IPO coming out 
in, in expected to be well over two billion dollars. So um, this is not one that I'm as interested in as, as some of the names in the past that have been IPOs that are much smaller than this. But obviously, this is a very frontline name. Everybody knows it very well, especially because of starting in January this year and all of the AMC and the, and the GameStop and everything else and all the controversies going on. So it certainly is a name that everybody's going to be very familiar with, probably more familiar with this name than others. But um, this one is not that interesting for me to want to be on the IPO. Pete, did you know, though, that Robinhood is a five-time CNBC Disruptor 50 company? Did, did you know that? Well, I know that they're a disruptor. I didn't know that they were the five time of the 50, but uh, but that's five that's, times. It makes Pete. some sense. This is a <laughs> five times. It's like a Tom Brady thing, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. Did you, did, did you, it's very impressive. Did you also know that? Did you also know that Vlad Tenev is among the featured speakers at this year's Disruptor 50 Summit? And is that did you know right? that you can register for that event at CNBCEvents.com? Because it's the truth. <laughs> I urge everybody to go there and, and who, do that and right now. And who wouldn't do that? Who wouldn't do exactly that? Exactly <laughs> right. Especially, you, Pete, you can do that after the show. I'll cut you a break. All right, up next, I'm Pete has unusual activity. Yep, That's you. why he's got, he got stuff coming up. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. It's time for Unusual Activity. Pete Najarian, what do you have? I'm going to start off, Scott, with a stock that really surprises me. I hadn't looked at it in a while, but Williams-Sonoma. And what surprises me is this. Back in April, this is a $180 stock. In the last month or so, it's been between 150 and 165. Today, stock was trading a little over 154, and we had some very, very interesting buyers. 5,000. This is what makes it even a little bit more unusual. They're going out to November, Scott. They're buying the November 170 calls. Stock 154 and a half or thereabouts. 170 calls. About 5,000 of those trading. They're also selling the downside put. So somebody very, very bullish and saying, hey, look, if, if it gets hit to the downside, I'll, I'm happy owning it. But I think it's going to the upside. So a very bullish trade there. Mattel is the next one. And what makes this one interesting is this is a stock that just came out with earnings. And yet we have this follow-up with some options. They're buying 8,000 of next week's expiring, the August 6th expiring 21 calls. Those are going between 45 cents and 65 cents. Very inexpensive because the stock was trading just above 21, about 21 and a quarter at the time of the buying. So looking for a little bit more upside there. The transformation is in place. The growth is there for Mattel. Their CEO is very, very bullish about things. So this is really interesting to see these, these two call buys today. One of them going out to November. The other one sticking very, very short term, but right after earnings. All right. Appreciate it, Pete. Thank you very much. Coming up, we have a special earnings edition of Ask Halftime. That's coming up next. Send in your questions. We'll be back right after this. It is an earnings edition of Ask Halftime. We are ready to answer your questions. Courtney, you're up first. Chris in California, what's your outlook on UPS? We saw those shares dip after earnings yesterday pretty substantially. What now? 
Well, you know, look, the big brown chucks are here to stay. And I think what happened was on that earnings call, the market got a little spooked, right? I mean, they kind of flagged the back half momentum deceleration in margins, which is going to scare the market ultimately. Um, we cover the name at Loop Capital Markets. We have a buy rating on it. We did cut our price target from two. 47-ish down to 232, but we're not concerned about earnings at all, and it's a name that uh, to, through, and beyond COVID will continue to do well and is a staple. All right, Joe Bungie, Mike in New York, what, what do you think of it? You bought it on July the 19th. I'm assuming you still have it, right? Do you still buy it? Do you buy it here? Correct. Yes, you do, Scott. This was a, a quality earnings report. The agriculture names right now are gathering some positive momentum. Uh, Chinese demand for corn is accelerating, renewable diesel accelerating, vegetable oil with reopening here for restaurants domestically accelerating. So I would buy Bungie here post earnings. You could also buy ADM, DAR or DEER. All of the ag names are really building that positive momentum. All right. Farmer Jim from Jerry in Tennessee wants you to talk about General Motors, wants to know if there's anything left. Stocks up better than 30 percent year to date, Jim. Yeah, there's a lot left. Um, first off, report comes out next week. Average transaction pricing is going to be through the roof. Used car sales, the inflation there helps the captive finance arm. Cruise is doing robo-taxis in San Francisco. The one knock here is they just haven't been able to produce as many cars because of the chip shortage. They've handled that better than most, and that chip shortage will ease. We are not at peak auto, folks. This is going to go on. We're going to be selling a lot of autos for the next several quarters. This is a time to get in GM. Pete, McDonald's the loser today. Eric in Massachusetts wants to know what you think of it long term. I mean, their same store sales, Pete, unbelievable. 26 percent U.S., 40 and a half percent globally. Stephanie Link bought this name recently. What do you tell Eric in Massachusetts about it? You know, it feels a little bit stretched, Scott, but I think the reality is when you look at the growth that they've got there and you talked about those same-store sales, those numbers are absolutely extraordinary. But then you look at the new chicken sandwich and all the different variety of things that they are adding to their menu again, making it a little bit bigger. I think this is a company that actually will build into this. I think they go through 250 in the next couple of weeks. All right, I mentioned Stephanie Link. Straight ahead, she's going to join us because she just bought more of a name you all know. And she's going to tell us exactly what that is and why when we come back. All right, the aforementioned Stephanie Link joining us now. Steph, you there? Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm told you're buying more GE. Tell our viewers why. Yeah, I am buying more GE, and it's a couple of reasons. It's a derivative call on the Boeing recovery. Clearly, Boeing is recovering after that quarter today. Um, and GE also had a very solid second quarter yesterday, making progress on their own restructuring. And this is still a reopened story, and I still like that theme. So Jim did a great recap of the quarter. I would just simply highlight commercial airplanes, total revenues up 268% year-over-year, deliveries up 295%. They delivered 130 maxes since the ungrounding. And the most important thing on the conference call was they're going to get the cash flow positive by 2022. So as Boeing gets healthy, that helps GE because they're one of the biggest engine suppliers to Boeing. And then I mentioned the quarter, second quarter orders for GE up 30% year over year, up 8% sequentially. Aviation orders up 47%. I mean, these are really great numbers. Margins actually increase across all segments. And free cash flow, there's a line of sight 
for them doing $7 billion in the next couple of years. So I just wanted to make this bigger. I think you're at an inflection point for both GE and Boeing. What, what's a reasonable price target on, on GE? Steph, uh, you know, I don't know, six, six months or 12 months. What, what do you think is, is reasonable? Fair question. I, mean, I, I mean, think you can do you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good question. It's, it's hard because it looks expensive, but earnings are very depressed. I would say some of the parts get me at least to 18 with a plus sign next to it, depending on how fast aviation recovers. All right. I appreciate you going there. I know our viewers do as well. We'll talk to you again soon. Steph, thank you. Thanks, Scott. Speaking of buying more, uh, Courtney Gibson bought more Starbucks at $121. Tell our viewers why. I did, Scott. I mean, let's look at it. Earnings beat, revenue beat, same store sales beat inside the U.S., outside the U.S. Kevin Johnson, that management team, that board. Let's not forget the fact that they have an incredible product, right? Um, And they continue to innovate. They're continuing to go across generations to create sales. He talked about kind of the cold brew frenzy that will continue to be. If you've ever had a nitro cold brew, you know exactly what I mean. Um, But today, I mean, that stock was down so much. And as much as I did not want to buy any more stock right now, I said I had to get in. Um, And I think it's up since I bought it. And uh, I'll I'll hang on to it even longer. All right. Cohen, uh, Cowan, excuse me. Cowan says buy the drip. Get it? Uh, price Buy target 135 <laughs> from 126. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. Mr. Show, don't sweat it. The Halftime Report now has a podcast, market-moving interviews, call of the day, unusual activity, and, of course, Ask Halftime. Look for us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Fast Money Podcast. All right, we'll get to final trades in just a moment. But a reminder, you're going to hear from Powell today, the Fed chair, Jay Powell. Decision on interest rates, 2 p.m. News conference coming after that. 4 p.m., Facebook reports its earnings. Pete, give me a little walk up to Facebook, please. Yeah, I'm coming in very bullish on this one, Scott. I love, I love the setup. The stock has been running all year. A lot of these stocks have run and then paused and pulled back. I think Facebook's going to be the one that's going to continue to the upside. Snap, Twitter, Google, that says a lot of what we're going to see. I think that's a blueprint for what we're going to hear tonight from Facebook. We heard earlier today from Courtney, who said it's her largest position, so I know she's optimistic going into the print. Pete, you own stock and calls still, is that correct? Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, yeah, I'm very bullish on this one. Been in it for a very long time. I continue to hold on. We got to remember, Zuck is Teflon. Everything seems to bounce off him, and it's been an incredible run to the upside. I think that there's a lot more to come. Yeah, I mean, even questions of you know regulatory issues, nothing has really uh, been able to derail this stock. I mean, moments in time, no. sure. But over a longer period of time, not, not really. Um, you know, Facebook was at a, a new high uh, as well today. So we'll keep our eyes on that one. Um, All right. Final trades. Courtney, what do you got? I'm going to go with our uh, our digital analyst for China's call on BABA. I think it's a safe, long term play when the money comes back into China. Yes, there are risks. Yes, there are issues. But you would be silly to avoid China for the long term. So are you going to have some trouble potentially in the interim? Possibly, but the risk-adjusted returns on BABA are going to be great. There are some other names that you might get some greater alpha returns on, but the risks are higher. But BABA is a name for the portfolio. We have a 275 price target on it. Stick with it. I got to get to the others. Farber Jim. Sorry. 
Cleveland Cliffs. Read the news on Cleveland Cliffs. That's it. Okay, Pete. Twitter. Twitter's going higher. Joe? Garmin. All right, does it for us. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.